sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Summertime, summertime. The longest day has passed us and we are slipping into the shorter evenings. God, that sounds very sad. But yes, look, we are still in summer. People have been telling me that they're outside nibbling on food and having pints outside. And then we see that the, the government want to close indoors. No, no fun indoors. Everybody outdoors. So I was having a laugh with someone this morning that they were telling me it's now not the Delta, but the Delta Plus. And they laughed their heads off saying, what the hell is going on with these people? People. And that's been very polite that are that are ruling, ruling us, ruling us. But, you know, summertime holidays. Simon is with me once again. Myself and Simon went for a lovely walk in Glendalough there during the day. We had a business meeting. What a best way to do a business meeting. Wasn't Simon? What do you think? It was great. And you said ruling. Did you mean ruining? (laughs) Slip awards. Slip awards. That's it. Yes. And talking of ruins, you know, yeah, we had a lovely walk around Glenda Lock and it was just, I finished a training session 10 o'clock that day and I said to them, that's it. Five hours. I'm driving to Wicklow. I'm just down in tools and you, you just need to do that. You just need to take time out and just walk in nature. That's the first time I've left Dublin since 2020. That's mad, isn't it, John? Prison sentence. <laughs> Prison sentence. Do you know what I've noticed as well, and I'm actually enjoying? Instead of doing all the Zoom calls with people, I'm actually now enjoying talking to people face to face. I swear to God, it's a wow. weird experience, but I'm enjoying it. How does that feel? It's weird. <laughs> that feel? Really weird. Really weird. And also picking up the phone and actually dialing people and talking to them over the phone as well. So it's 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 a strange cycle that the pros and cons of everything in life. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's how we find ourselves within and what's happening with ourselves inside as well. And if we can really sort of connect with that power within inside, everything outside is it is what it is. And yeah. we just we just get on with it. it. So who we got today? Who we got today? Well, we've got two great guests, both of whom have a good awareness of what it takes to tap, tap into the strength inside. And we're going to talk a little bit about resilience and relationships and everything to do with just being aware of who you are and your place in the world. So first up, we have Ewan Dunbar, somebody we've spoken to on a podcast. Ewan, it's great to see you. And Ewan is founder and principal consultant and coach at Exponential Limited He's had an amazing career, including, you know, finance group finance director at Virgin Media Ireland. He's worked with the big, uh, the big consulting firms. Um, I'll leave Ewan, if he wishes to, to talk a little bit about um, a journey he's been on around health uh, and recovery. But it's great to see you, Ewan. Hi, Simon. Thanks for having me in today. Thank you. Great to see you again. And and then Andy Gillis, who I know very well. Just a disclaimer to the audience: we're related. <laughs> <laughs> and so we know we know each other very well. Andy has an equally, I think, really inspiring journey uh, journey, uh, which is up to him how much he wants to share. And Kate uh, uh, went through a journey, became a professional actor in the UK, and is now using his skill sets around reading people and connecting with people and being genuine and sincere and building relationships um, in in the sales environment. So it'd be great to talk about you know, connect the power of connection rather than just communication from a sales perspective. So this is going to be a fun chat, fun chat, Joe. We are all connected. That's when we figure that one out, that we are all connected. Life is quite strange, quite strange. So, yes, it is, you know, it's about resilience and about relationships as well. And sometimes I think we forget about relationships. You know, we we can get very centered on me, myself and I. Um, and especially when we're working within an organization. And sometimes we have to take a step back and listen to other people and our stakeholders as well. So, you know, guys, I'll, I'll open up to you is listening. You know, have we forgotten the art of listening? Andy, start with yourself. I think we have. I think that's a very good point. I think if I go back to uh, when I was a wee boy, uh, my mum always said to me, there's a reason we've got two ears and one mouth. 
And I've tried to take that philosophy with me throughout my life because I think it's very important. Um, if you don't listen, you can't have a relationship with anyone because ultimately listening's the main part of a relationship. Um, talking, it actually is a, a very small part. I mean, we know that naturally because if you think about body language, I think it's now about 70% of people pick up on body language. Um, it's actually a very small part of what people pick up from the spoken word. Um, so I think listening and being open to listening, more, more importantly, is, is, it isn't just important, it's essential. I agree. And, and it's funny, listen and silent have the same letters in them. And I think, I think you know, we communicate via listening and then processing, and that helps the connection. So no, I agree with that. And you, what do you think about the whole of listening? There's listening, but there's truly hearing, isn't there? Yeah, I'm I'm used to listening. If I'm honest, <laughs> um, just in the in the last few years since I've uh, undertaken coaching, it's really made me aware of how to listen properly. And when I self reflect, previously I, I probably wasn't a good listener, to be honest. Um, particularly, you know, in leadership roles, I. I listen to a fair amount, you know, there's there's listening and there's really active listening, you know, looking at people's facial expressions. Um, do they look uncomfortable? Do they look comfortable? Um, what what are they really saying? And and importantly, a, a key tool uh, that complements listening is asking the right questions to delve down and get to the truth of, of the matter. I think it's really important. Um, and I, I do a lot of leadership uh, coaching, as you know, and that, that's one of the, big, the biggest aspects, uh, advice that I give when it comes to communication. It's, it's not so much communication outward, it's communication inwards and how you respond to that. Uh, that's important. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's eyes to see and ears to hear and belief systems to change. Um especially when we're, we are talking about communication and you both make two very valid points, but has the listening process and you talk about the body language and everything as well changed over the last year because we've been doing zoom like, you know, are you looking at me on this zoom call or are you looking at yourself on this zoom call? You know, and how do we interact with each other in a digital world? Andy, what, what do you think? How has the last year and a half changed the way we interact, or has it changed? Um, of course, it's changed. Of course, it's changed us. Um, I mean, I, I work for a company that actually works in that space, a, a telecommunications company. So for us, completely, it's completely almost brought the world to us and what we do. Um, I think. I think when you when I think what's changed the most is how we converse now. I think we converse completely differently over video. And I think uh, a really, really interesting point that you just made there, Joe, is do we look at ourselves on these calls or do we look at the people that we're speaking to? And I bet you if you ask that question to, um, I'd say it would be a very high percentage if they were being honest with themselves that say they look at themselves more on these calls than they do the people they're speaking to. <clears throat> so I think it has. I think what it's given me, for instance, to give you an example, is I now look a lot more at my face when I'm listening to people. So I've started to look at what my facial reactions are when people are talking to me more. I never would have done that before. Yeah, I just said that I was on mute. Joe spends all his time looking at himself, but that's another thing. <laughs> well, but, but we all do to a degree. Um, I think even... Pruning, the, pruning, Simon. Yeah, I, I think we all... We all do that. Um, and, and, and you could argue there's, there's nothing wrong in someone having um, someone wanting to look correctly for how they want to look correctly. Of course, that can go to a, a bad level because ultimately it's, it's about what's inside that, that gives you strength. And uh, That's a good point. So what about how, maybe start with you, Ewan, what do you do differently in terms of looking at yourself, looking into your soul? And then we'll talk to Andy about that. What, to what extent do you look into your soul and, and, and question yourself, Ewan? I mean, I, I, I guess firstly, you know, sorry, just picking up on Andy's point there in, in terms of looking at yourself. I think in, in Zoom calls, we're looking at ourselves and, and then out in the, the real world when you're transacting with people, if you like, uh, 
you know, you're looking at someone that can't really give you a facial expression, um, which makes it very, very difficult. You know, I, it has given me an awareness of how much a facial expression means to me. You know, that nice smile, uh, letting me know, comforting, letting me know that what I'm saying is resonating, um, or that sort of grimace that, you know, maybe I, my, my joke's not been taken too well, <laughs> shock. Um, but, um, yeah, so it, it, it's difficult, and, and certainly it's, it's something I think, you know, in 2022, um, we'll look forward to, to losing the face masks. Um, obviously, that means losing part of a wardrobe in this day and age, but um, I, I think we'll all very much welcome that. In, in terms of my, you know, lo looking deep uh, within within inside I, I think it is that self personal self-awareness uh, that that's really key um the the reflection and I I think you know to to really master that and um, I think you really need to take time out and that that's what again one one of my biggest message to to leaders these days is a case of put, putting your own oxygen mask on, on first before you worry about others um and it's it's about you know, even going going for a walk in the wilderness without technology, um, you know, and just contemplating what's important to you and, and reflecting. And I, I think when, when you do that, I think you know you you really un uncover, unpick quite quite a lot of issues. I, I, meditation and you know the likes of sea swimming, etc. They're they're all becoming they're they're all sort of fads if if you like. But there's a reason for them. That there, there is sort of benefits of getting away, getting away from the city, and, and just having that peace and relaxation. I think. That's good. Point. Andy, what what do you what do you do? I know Joe's champing at the bit here. What do you do to to self reflect, to slow down, to think about what you're doing? What do you do? I think for me personally, there was two parts to my life, and um, we referenced, um, or you referenced Simon earlier on about um, uh, when I was ill. I think prior to that illness, um, I didn't reflect on myself at all. I think it took something of a magnitude that affected my life in such a way and the people around me as well that I had to had to look in. Um, I, I was confined to a bed for nearly two years. I, I could hardly walk. So I think when you're in that space, you have you're, you're forced to look inside yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, I think since then, I think. This is going to sound so boring and on obvious. The simple things. Just focus on the simple things. Just focus on the things in life that give you something that that make you feel grounded, that give you a level of honesty. Um, for me, that has always been my family. As as boring as that may be, my beautiful boy. Um, <clears throat> when you when you look at that innocence, it gives you um, clarity um, yeah. and. Yeah, so that's why I'd say, and I think when you look within, you have to ask the hard questions. Yeah, you have to be prepared to to go deep and ask yourself the hard questions. And I think if you can do that process, and I think meditation, on you know, it, it is it can release that side of things. I think when you ask those questions, I think you can come out with some really strong answers. Perfect, perfect. perfect. There's a great way of finding out about who people are. And if I was to ask both of you this question. You have 12 hours to live. The world is ending in 12 hours. How would you spend the next 11 hours? And by defining those 11 hours, will they define the person that you are? You know, and for me, when I was asked that question, it was I'd spend time with my family, with my kids, you know, laughter and hugs and jokes, you know. Other people have said they go down to boozer and get tanked up and, you know, stick a line of coke up their nose and party into the, into the, the, the never after. But it, I think that's a good question to sort of, you know, if you really want to find that inner journey. And it is, you're saying keep it simple. It is. If you do that, you, you realize, you know, what would it be for yourselves, Ewan? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I I'm the same as yourself. It's it's really spend spend that time with loved ones and you know kids and family and and try and ha have a bit of fun and you know implant a a, a really happy memory in in their lives. Um, you know, I, I probably because I have I have been faced with this. Um, in in fact, this, this 
I was reflecting this uh, this morning with with my wife that it was two years ago to the day that I was I was diagnosed with cancer, and at this point in time, um, it was actually sort of a week ago um, to the day two years ago that I was diagnosed. But at this point in time, I I didn't know whether it was terminal or not, so I was doing doing a lot of reflection in terms of okay, what's my next steps? How am I going to make this time count? And one of the things um, I, I planned to do was um, to leave lots of videos, uh, messages, um, so that you could be there, you know, key key times for, for the kids when they're growing up to to try and give, give them that advice that you wouldn't necessarily be about to give them. Um, I, you know, that would be sort of my parting gift now. They, I, as per normal, they, they might not take my advice, but you know, it, 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 it'd certainly be be something that I'd I'd like to you know share. So yeah, I, I again with like like you, Joe, I think family would be uh, you know first and foremost of, of that thought process. I, I sorry, just to, as, as an anecdote, I, I I have discussed this with Simon. I I love the there's a great survey that was. Was done. You're probably aware of the the five regrets of the the term, terminally ill people undertaking uh, palliative care, and I really do think you can learn a lot um, by by looking at that survey. Um, if if you if you like actually, I'll just quickly read read them out. I have them in front of me. Um, number one, I'd wish I'd had the courage to live life true to myself, not what others expected of me. Number two. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Apologies to all employers out there listening to that one. Uh, number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish that I'd let myself be happier. That's cool. Yeah. Andy, what, what would you build on build on that? Anything that you'd add to that? Because just before you do, there's a survey in India and they asked some terminally ill wealthy Indians, a similar questionnaire. And the thing that came top was, I wish I'd asked for help more in life. What do you think about this whole area? If there's any advice could you give to your younger version of yourself, what would you tell yourself to do more of? I think that there's too many. I don't think we've got enough time to cover that, Simon. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I would tell myself to be more confident i think the biggest thing that i would tell myself actually is focus on the things that you can change and not worry about the things that you can't i think we focus far too much of our time and energy on stuff we have no control over yep um and i think it eats away at us um so i would definitely just say to myself just focus on what you can actually change um and, and going back to, to the question you said, Joe, I think it, I think that's a really good question. And I think we all, we would all jump to, to family. I mean, in the main, I think everyone would want to spend time with their family. And I think that's the right thing to My do. My younger self um, would have said something different, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I think I, th- I think maybe you're right. I think my younger self would have probably just gone down to the pub and forgotten about it all. Um, but for me, I, I, I would want a level of normality in or my normality within that 12 hours you know I, I i i we all know what it's like when you have something impending coming up in the future you can't get it out of your mind anyway it it shadows everything you do for i don't know say for me when i was an actor if i if i had the first night of a show i couldn't think about anything else for the 24 hours before that it was so scary that moment of getting on stage um so i always try to do normal stuff i always try to just and this is going to stand. Look at the sun. Look, look, look at look at nature. Look at the things that can give you peace. Um, so those are the things that I would sort of do. To, to do I think are very important. So, so building on all of this, you both and you haven't disclosed too much, and uh, but you've both been through a journey, and you both clearly demonstrated resilience because you're both still here, as I am, as Joe has. Is you know we've all gone through a journey and we've come through and. When you were both in, you know, the toughest times, can you remember hearing voices in your head spurring you on? Or what was it? If you if you were to go back, you know, Andy, you mentioned those couple of years, and you and I know what you went through a couple of years ago, and I've been through stuff. What was it in those tough times, do you think, if you could bottle it and give it to people who are just entering tough times, 
what do you think it was that kept you going? Maybe Ewan. It's not an easy question to answer, but just an essence of what you think it might have been. Yeah, for me, I, I'm very privileged. Um, I consider myself very privileged that I have a, a, a really good support network um, in friends, family, colleagues, and a you know, wider community. Um, I've invested a lot in that network uh, over the years. My, my wife always jokes, I collect friends. Um, but I, I've always made an effort and I, I, I did find that that came back um, to, to be a real positive when I needed it. My support network always described me as being immensely positive. Um, you know, and, and they, they all say, oh, yeah, we, we knew that you'd kicked cancer to touch and, you know, you'd, you'd really go at it and you'd be really positive about it, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess the reason my my energy came from them, it wasn't the other way about. I, I almost felt like I, I was zapping their energy or, or taking their energy. They, they were giving it to me and I, I was taking it. And, and that that was a, a, a really big thing for me. Um, I guess the other thing is perspective. Um, I, I think that's probably the, one of the most important things in life. If you can put perspective in situations, um, then you know suddenly what is a big issue for you is fairly minor in the scheme of things. And for for me, I I I was fortunate that I I was given the the diagnosis that it wasn't likely to be terminal in the end, but it was curable. Um, you know, fairly high probability that after a year or two of various operations and treatments, etc., I they they get me back to all almost normal. Um, whereas I, I, at the time I, I knew other people who, who were going through a different journey and, and weren't so fortunate with with the outcome, and you know, I ultimately passed away from from cancer. So, from my perspective, how could I feel sorry for myself at any point in time when I knew that they'd give anything to be in my situation? So, yeah, you you have down days, and you you have to allow yourself to have down days. But most of the time, it's about picking yourself back up and thinking, yeah, uh, you know, I'm just lucky to be alive. I'm lucky to have such good friends, family, uh, contacts. And, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's really being about being grateful for that, uh, I guess, that give, gives you a real positive. I, 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 Sorry, go on, Andy. Go on. No, I was just going to say, for me, I, everything um, you said there would resonate with me. I think perspective is key. I, I, I remember, so I have rheumatoid arthritis and I, I never mentioned that and it, it never got diagnosed for a while. So that's why I was uh, confined to a bed for so long and I, I couldn't walk. Um, and I always remember what I, I had to get both of my hips replaced because of that. And I, I remember laying in hospital uh, on the first one and probably at my lowest point, actually. Um, and there was an 11-year-old kid in the bed opposite me uh, with a bone disease who never, who never did see the outside of that hospital and unfortunately isn't with us anymore, that's perspective. You're completely right. You know, when you, when you see an 11-year-old, even now it affects me, I, even now thinking about that child in, the, in that bed, when you think about that, it gives you, it gives you, it gives you reason to, to just give yourself a little bit of a kick. And also yeah. stubbornness. I was stubborn. Yeah. I didn't, I did, you know, and, and everyone told me that that's a bad quality of mine. Um, and still to this day say it, but I was stubborn. I wasn't going to let it beat me. Um, I was going to do everything within my power to get better. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, th I think that that stubbornness can can be a, a big factor in getting over illness. Yeah, we all, we all can be stubborn, but with both well, of you. What's with about yourself, Stu? Simon, I'd be interested in your perspective on that. I'll go first quickly. I, I, re I really, perspective is one that I'd be like Andy because we're related. I have a, a deep, deep defiance, which used to be a negative defiance, but now it's a defiance for life. You know, I, uh, you know, I reached a very dark place 15, well, 12 years ago. And at that point, I assumed I'd lost everything. Like I thought I'd lost everything. I, I, would have, I would have been surprised if I hadn't lost everything. And yet even in that darkest moment, I remember thinking, this isn't going to beat me. 
you know so i that that, I, that really I, it's not a negative defiance it's a very it's a defiance for life you know like it's this isn't going to beat me and so i think that really hits it hard for me what andy said there what about you john what about me what about me not for me but yes um one of the things i've learned we've all had our upsets we've all had our downs we've all had some issue in it and for me i've what i've learned is that we've been you you're asleep and from asleep you awaken within and when you awaken within then it it's from there it's a skip and a jump to enlightenment and when you and andy you'll get this as well being an actor and what i've learned and discovered now only in the last couple of months, I've been on a journey for many, many years that I now see the world as it is, as an act, a performance, everyone in it pushing paper and everyone doing their little bit from governments to political systems to the police, all on stage with their script. And I'm no longer participating in it. I'm actually observing it. And by observing it, I then see the power that we have as individuals. And by doing that and stripping away all those layers, we can do great things in this life because none of that now, none of that public arena has any power on us anymore. And that's my journey. And when you, when you sort of hit that, it's kind of, God, life is, no matter what's going on with COVID or lockdown or all this garbage that's going on, it's irrelevant. It's all irrelevant because it matters what's inside and the power and how you contribute to yourself that can make a difference on it. So and we had I, we had that walk, Joe, without going into too much detail. And, you know, not to cut, put too fine a point on it, we all know one day we're not going to be here. Like we're all going to die one day. We're human beings. Like you're deluded if you think you're not. And so why not make the most of every millisecond of a second? Even if it's a second, make the most of that. And that takes a lot of pressure off you then. And you're human. You're going to make, make mistakes. You're going to do things wrong. But but nobody says you can't afford to enjoy that millisecond, you know. And but, I, but, I put yeah. it down to the day for me, you know. But here it is for both for, for you as well, which I've, I've it, you know, we all talk about purpose. Oh, we got a purpose. What's my purpose in life? What's my purpose in life? And that's the biggest question that everybody asks. What happened if you don't have a purpose? You're not meant to have a purpose. The only thing you're meant to do on this planet is be you and live without purpose. That's your purpose. That's your purpose. Yeah. yeah. In effect, just what exist. About, yeah. What about, what about the whole area of, of mindset and, uh, you know, you, you come through these t tough times, but then for some people it can be a challenge then to, you know, you come through it, and everything seems okay. And then I've seen it happen with some people. Their ego takes over and they think they're impenetrable, right? And I think there's a balance to be had. Everybody knows, everybody has their own crisis, right? So we can talk about, you know, the things we've been through up to a point. But at a certain point, people switch off. And so how do you both manage your ego, right? You've both been through what people would describe as crisis, right? Um, so how do you manage a balance between the fact that you've had that but now you, there's a limit to what how much people are interested in it going forward and they're just talking to you how do you balance your ego around this maybe you in first i i think that is is a, a very important point simon um it, it's something that i i was discussing with a with a mentor of, of mine and you know the, the question was well how much do you want this experience of cancer to define you? Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I, I was keen to give back, and I, I was fortunate. I, I was able to participate participate in the Irish Cancer Society uh, campaign er, Daffodil Day. So you know, I I was on on their social media campaign, etc. And I I took a lot of um, benefit from that in terms of you know trying to to give give back, trying to get the message out there. Um, but then you have to check yourself at what point does that become more egotistical than it does that you're actually giving back, <laughs> contributing. And so I, I, I think I, I, I did take the active decision about Q1 um, that, yes, I, I would try and engage with patients going through the same journey I went through, but 
I wouldn't. I would probably dull it down in terms of with my with my social groups, my my support network, how much I actually talk about um, cancer, etc. Um, because I I don't want it to define me. I I've come out stronger. I think because of the experience. Um, you know, experiences make you more resilient. Um, but I I don't want it at the same time to define who I am and, and be my my story, if, if you like. It's just a, a small element of my story, which I've been very fortunate and privileged with the, the help of medical support to, to come through and come out the other end. So whilst I'm obviously very comfortable talking about it like in these forums, and I think the more we talk about these things, the more you, you have the opportunity and, and chance that you might be able to positively influence someone else's mindset if, if they're going through something similar at the same point i i think it's an excellent point you don't want it to define your story going forward i might just flip that a little bit for andy because i mean you i know you right <laughs> i know you went through a very very tough time and yet you're kind of amazing because you rarely if ever talk about it you don't whinge about it you don't reflect on it how have you done that what is it in you has allowed you just to move on i mean because you have well, i think first of all i i i have rheumatoid arthritis i'll die with rheumatoid arthritis every day i'm in pain that's never going to go away so it, it isn't i i <laughs> i am recovering yes but i still have to manage it and live with it every day um, and, and unfortunately, rheumatoid arthritis isn't, and, and, I, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, it's with all diseases, money comes in. And it's very easy to get s- charities to focus on certain diseases because it's for what, for what, the in thing. People don't focus on rheumatoid arthritis. People don't really even know what rheumatoid arthritis is. Um, if I turn around to someone and say, I've got rheumatoid, they're like, oh, you're young for that. They don't know that it's the blood disease and that what my blood, what my immune system does is attack my body. And then, I mean, you can see now my hands are all over the place. So it's a different thing. So there is no ego. I have to deal with it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did give back. But what I decided to do to give back, because I agree with what you said there, I didn't want it to, I don't want it to be me. I'm so much more than that. Um, so what I decided to do, so as you would know, Simon, I lost uh, 15 stone. Um, so when I was diagnosed, I was 30 stone, um, and they wouldn't give me the operation that I needed to do. So I had to lose 15 stone and I did, I lost it in two and a half years. And then, then I got the operation. Um, so what I then did was talk, um, to people about weight loss within the NHS. Um, also, what I did when I lost weight, because at the time I was doing acting, I used to do um, work with underprivileged kids in the East End in drama to maybe give them a route out of the East End. So what I decided to do was give back, but not give back in relation to the disease. I just gave back in other ways that I thought I could yeah. help. Um, because I never wanted it to be about the disease because, you know, and maybe that's the wrong thing, actually, because I think I think I, I just started that the whole feel by saying that no one knows a lot about it and then unfortunately you have people like me that don't help that but um that was my decision anyway cool cool is it is it a case of you know how do we give back and you talk about ego as well simon that is it better to give back and not be shouting about it in a subtle and silent way because the ego wants to say you know, there's people that are how wonderful and great and how brilliant I am. But if you do it like under the radar, I think it's a lot more tougher for the person as an individual. And you probably may feel that you give a little bit more back than than normal. Would you agree or disagree with that? Ewan. Yeah, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion. I'm like an open book. I I share my experiences probably too much um, with with everyone, and you know, I for me, I I gained a lot. Of, I, I I brought everyone on the journey with me. I I I got such positivity from that. Everyone knew what I was going through, but everyone knew that I was responding generally pretty positively to it. 
So I, personally, I think that's a healthy dynamic, but that that's what I'm used to. Um, you know, if if you, I I know others that went through it, and they probably went through it in a much more almost dignified way that they just got on with it and had a very very small support network around them, uh, immediate family. Um, and a lot of people actually didn't know that they were going through that journey at all um, in terms of friends, um, obviously employee, uh, their, their colleagues did because they, they they were absent from work for periods of time. But, you know, they, they did take it very graceful. They were very graceful about it, but they, they were strong enough that they had the support network. And I, I think just... So I think in both examples, it, it was a positive way to go through it because they, you have the support network. What I think is is dangerous if if you don't talk about it and you you don't talk about it to, to anyone and you're you know if if you're in sort of isolated circumstances, um, then I, I I don't think that would be a benefit. And personally, I as I say, if, if by talking about it, if I can positively influence the someone else's journey then you know it's i i I think it's a is is a good thing to do i think it's really you know we get caught up in our own personalities it doesn't matter if you want to do it do it if you don't don't that's it andy your thoughts i i i think first and foremost um what you said there joe is correct everyone has got a different way of dealing with it and there is no right and wrong it's that simple for me i got to a point where it was hurting me to see people's reaction to me in that place. It just got too much. Um, So I didn't want to put the people I love through that pain anymore. Um, So that's why I probably backed away and, and uh, because it was too much. I mean, I I can know that you wouldn't know some of my friends, but my friends are very East end, you know, builders then then kind of thing and I always remember the one time when my closest friend saw me for the first time they were in tears I mean floods of tears um and I didn't want to put them through that so um I made the choice to keep it to myself that's a great um, point. but w- yeah. but what I would say uh Ewan is I did have support so I think you're right there I think that's the one thing that I would completely uh, agree with you on you should still need an outlet if you make that kind of decision you still have to be able to have an outlet because if you don't have an outlet that's a very very lonely road and it's a very tough road and and it's a road that I don't think a lot of people come back from but if you have that outlet how you choose to manage it has to be down to the individual it just it just hurt me too much to see the hurt on other people's face no, it's interesting. You've both mentioned other people. You've just mentioned them, and you were talking about a support network. And I think it is about other people. I think it would be very imagine if we went through these things living on Mars by ourselves, right? I think we need other people to bring us out. And I'll never forget some guy said to me 12, 13 years ago when I was in a very black place, and he said, and he was a Australian guy in his late 70s. And he said to me, and I'll never forget the words, and they were really simple. And you don't, it's the words from other people you remember. And he said, imagine what your life will be like if you carry on doing what you're doing, but imagine what it could be like if you stop. I'll never forget those, a very simple sentence. You know, I, I would never have come up with those words. So we all help each other. We all help each other. Joe. Yes, we do. And, you know, the thing that's popping up for me is how do we define what we have done or what our communities have done within the last 24 months. You know, and that's a reflection on everybody, you know, because we are individual and we do love communities and help, but has it been as wonderful, you know, that community has been as wonderful as we say it has been, or has, have we left others behind? Have we left others behind unknowingly, unknowingly? I think, Joe, the, the answer to that will probably be in, in five years' time and how much we've actually learned from the experience and how much we've take, taken away uh, from it, how, how much it's changed this um, is, is the big question. Well, if it's like our politicians, 
<laughs> we'll have learned nothing because decades and decades we they keep repeating the same thing. Let's Simon, not talk about politicians. Simon, I was just thinking <laughs> earlier on in in the conversation when we when when we started this, and we were talking about uh, Zoom and you know all looking at each other or looking at ourselves, and we have seen some stupid, I have to say, it's not stupid, silly projects come up or inventions come up over the last year. So here's a really good one, I think. When we are now out in public, we should have make a thing that you have mirrors that sits on your shoulders. So when you're talking to people, you can see yourself and you feel like you're at home in Zoom. Be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone walking around with a classic. classic. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a very interesting conversation, I think, now, because this pandemic has forced us to look at work differently. I mean, some companies were doing it anyway, but in the main, it's forced us all to look at work differently. I, I saw a report on the uh, four-day working week on the uh, RTE News the other day. Um, you, you wouldn't have seen that kind of thing on mainstream news two years ago. We're now looking at work-life balance in a way that we never did before. Um, and it will be really interesting to see, as you said, for the next five years, to see if we actually do change anything or whether in a year's time, we're all just back in the office and we're all yeah. just doing the same things that we've done. It will be really interesting to see yeah. that. It's the, um, it's the four-day work week and then someone goes, I'm going to write a better book. What's that going to be? It's going to be the three-day work week. <laughs> <laughs> the one day. Gentlemen, um, myself and Simon, we have more guests coming on now uh, just after the break. So I want to thank both of you coming on. If people want to reach out to you, um, where can they, if they can catch you on LinkedIn, if you give us your LinkedIn details, guys, lads. Uh, Andy, give, give us where can people find yourself? I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so they, they can easily find me on LinkedIn if they need to. Okay. Yeah, like, likewise, I'm, I'm very active in LinkedIn. Uh, if you manage to to spell my first name, it's Ewan, E-W-A-N. Ewan. Dunbar. Dunbar on it. Um, Simon, and also if people want to reach out to us, you know, they can catch us at Business Eye Advisory, uh, where we are sharing our knowledge and wisdom that we've learned over multiple years, like two old grumpy men, happy grumpy men, happy. Uh, share, happy. sharing information with people as well. So that's yeah. a bit of getting in the conversation. Absolutely. Anyway, and it's, folks. It's been a great chat. And I'd just like to end with this. I think it's Paolo Coelho. I think I pronounced his name right. And he has a quote, everything will be okay in the end. And if it isn't okay, it's not the end. And I think, you know, that's a good part of this chat here. You know, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Perfect. Folks, we're going to come right back with our second uh, guests coming on uh, our showcase business. We'll see you in a few minutes. Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Yes, folks, and welcome back to the second half of Business Eye. Simon, interesting conversation we had in the very beginning there. Uh, interesting conversation. Yeah. It was great. It was, a, it was a real inspirational chat to two men who have been through pretty horrendous time but have demonstrated that hope over adversity and you know and courage over fear you know freedom is the other side of fear you know and and they demonstrated it really well so it was a lovely chat lovely true and now we have two lovely ladies so you know it's always nice to end the show on a business showcase that we have and today we have sandra signs and camille are from stella corporate housing it was a business that just started in 2020 what a time to start a business. What is Stella uh, Corporate Housing? So basically, um, Stella is a corporate housing rental agency. So we, we specialize in long-term and short-term rentals, uh, which are available for corporate companies to rent for their employees, uh, either relocating for work purposes or traveling for business. And why did you suddenly decide to create this business last year? Well, a uh, pandemic happened. And uh, it hit all of us and uh, people tried different things. And I went swimming in the sea, in the Irish Sea, for the first time. And that actually, <laughs> that's really what happened. I came out of the sea and uh, I called Camille and I just said, let's let's do this. We, um, we just saw some pain pain point that our clients were having at the time and we just did a business case and we put all our ideas together Mm -hmm. and we just decided to go forward and actually give this a go 
what what were the pain points that your clients were having? Because I know that you know short term letting in Dublin, especially around the financial services center, it's 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 big money, um, and even some companies are using Airbnb. What what is the marketplace like then? Is is there a big interest for people to jump on and have you do all the work for them? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, with uh, with the pandemic, basically the the, the demand pre COVID was really high, and if we, if we are looking specifically to the Dublin market, there always has been a very challenging market because of the low supply, but then the increasing increasingly high demand um, for short term accommodation, and so that's the first thing. Um, and then during COVID, the supply, um, obviously a lot of providers had to um, give back a lot of, of the inventory into the market. And so it's it's it, it's kind of, but the demand was still there. And obviously because the service apartment sector offers um, spacious apartments with self-contained accommodation, that gives a bit of uh, more safety for people traveling. Is this your first business venture, each of you or both? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so the next question then is, if you, if you were going to describe the journey you've been on since you started the business today to somebody who's thinking about setting up a business, what words of advice would you give them about what you've done or seen or what you could have done differently? What words, two or three bits of advice would you give somebody who's going to start up a business? Um, so the the the. the, the. I mean, it's been it's been a very rewarding journey, and we've grown so much from where we were to where we are at at the moment. So, what we would say is that you know, there is no right or wrong. You have to. It's it's a bit of a trial and error. So, as long as you keep believing in yourself and and your ideas, and you have to use the resources and network you have around you to help you grow and succeed. And also in the process, don't forget to have fun. And this is what we yeah. And also to kind of have patience. A lot of patience because you build this idea and you think you're going to be here and then you're not. (laughs) And that's okay. It's just to, you know, keep going. You both have huge humor as well. For anybody who can't see you, they don't stop smiling, which I think is a huge ingredient in business. Humor and not taking yourself too seriously. Would you say that? You just got to, you just got to go for it, but don't, punish yourself when the day goes badly you know exactly you have a bad day and you pick it up and we we had a lot of those days you know mm-hmm. and we call each other and we're, we're like um and then we just pick it up and the next day is a new day and that's how we're doing it and it is working because we can see the results already who's joining forces with yourselves who who has poked up their interest in the business and is taking on the company to help them with their housing and um, yeah. So we have um, we have an all female lead um, senior senior team within our company. So we have four female executive, and then we have a, a team that looks after the operation side of it. Um, and we also have a business coach that helps us on a regular basis to kind of move the business forward as well. It's very important to have a business coach when you actually, that's one of piece of advice we definitely suggest to anybody that is thinking about getting their own business is to have a business coach to bounce each other's ideas. Wow. And Joe and I are business coaches, so this is music to our ears. <laughs> music to our ears. Simon, <laughs> <Everybody does help. laughs> Simon did, did we have people who, recruitment agencies, so we have people recruitment agencies. So this is sort of like the other agency. And when I worked abroad, and we were working within the U.S. military, there was agencies that would go in and ship a, say, a military officer from one location in the world to another. And basically, he would go out, hand the details to someone. They would find a location, move the furniture, settle them in, put their kids in the school, do everything. So when they came over, it was just handed a folder with everything set up. Is that what's happening with yourselves, ladies, with with large multinational corporations? Yeah, that's pretty actually. So it's it's very much like a hand to hand support um, with the clients that we're working with. So um, we take on all the um, corporate housing side of it. So um, our contact or um, delegate contact will uh, come to us and initiate um, a, a request for sourcing for um, service department and um, whichever the location is required. And then we'll, we'll take over. And de- depending on the agreement, we will either be dealing with that person or we'll be dealing with, um, with the person traveling directly. We also have agents in each of the key locations that we provide in service. 
So, you know, if we're talking about Spain, we have people in Spain on the ground and obviously with the local knowledge and with the language and everything, mm-hmm. which makes it very easy for us then to get the best apartments for our clients. And what about, what are, you, what are your plans for the next 12, 18 months? Do you have solid plans or do they, do they, do they just, or do they depend on various different things you're not aware of yet? Describe your planning process. So our objective for the next two years is to maintain our strong relationship as well as building new ones. Uh, part of our international uh, plans are to expand to uh, the US, Latin America and APAC. We have currently um, have to enter the US market, the US market as we speak, um, and uh, and then to keep building the strong relationships that we have already in Europe. Just keep growing that. Simon, it's a strange business to start when everything is locked down and there's no <laughs> isn't it? No one is traveling. You, swimming. Have you got no. seriously swimming in the sea? Can do that. It's probably a good. It was probably a good time to start because there wouldn't be as much pressure, but you could learn and research and get, you know, do the contacts. And then when everything opened up again as well, is there a lot of, is is there a lot of organizations fearful that they might go into a, into a country and then get locked down for 12 months and won't be able to get out of there? (laughs) Is You know, that's, that's one of the things you kind of go, you know, Oh my God, am I going to be stranded here? But are, are That's why I haven't been able to travel because, you know, I was thinking to travel maybe to France, to my uh, country of origin. And then I was like, if I get stuck in there for 12 months, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, I could think of worse places to be stuck. True, actually. Yes, Spain, France, not so bad, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but, and tell us, ladies, if, if someone wants to reach out to yourselves, if they want to connect with the business and look more about how you can assist them, uh, where, where can they locate us? Um, so they can find us on uh, LinkedIn. Well, pretty much, uh, pretty uh, much all the social media platform like uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and uh, we have a website as well, uh, which is www.stellarcorporatehousing.com, and there is all there are contact details in there as well. Okay, so yeah. and LinkedIn as well. If you put a Stellar Corporate Housing, you can find you can find us. Say that I feel completely refreshed. You have amazing energy. Like I just, I, I just. Do you, want a book? Do you want a book somewhere? Just you know, just just call it. <laughs> cool. That is cool. We're going to have to call it there, folks. For everyone, please uh, enjoy. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We've had some great speakers on today. Uh, we've been influenced. I think myself and Simon are buzzing now. I'm buzzing. So, as myself and Simon would always say, have a super weekend, and Simon. Well, I think I just want to repeat businesseyeadvisory.com because that's where you and I can give the wise words of wisdom. The wise words of wisdom. Until next week, folks, take care and God bless.